have you ever asked yourself, am I a bad therapist? Well, you're in the right place. I'm Allie Joy, licensed professional counselor and board certified art therapist. And I'm Katherine Escare, a clinical psychologist, and this is Am I a Bad Therapist? Join us each week for stories from behind the closed therapy door. You'll hear experiences that made us ask, am I a bad therapist? Including bloopers, jaw droppers, and other difficult moments that normalize the unique struggles of modern day therapists. This is a space with no experts, no gurus, and no hierarchies, just humans sitting in similar chairs. While we're certainly not promoting actual bad therapy, we are here to shine a light on the messy situations that therapists face on a daily basis and to normalize that mysterious gray area of clinical practice that no one wants to talk about. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh. So as a client myself, I have paid for therapy no less than three different ways. Out of pocket, insurance with a copay, unfortunately, and then also out of network. And, you know, even as a therapist and a client myself, it's still hard to explain all of these different ways to pay for therapy to clients. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it can be really hard to talk about what we do, the costs behind it, our rates, if we take insurance, if we don't, all of these things. And sometimes we might have to backtrack because we had a difficult conversation and it didn't go great with our clients. (laughs) Or we weren't clearing our boundaries going into it. So we're going to hear from more today about how her experiences as an associate uh, therapist uh, taught her how to clarify boundaries, your own internal boundaries, before going into therapy sessions and how to navigate the money conversations that come up in every new client. And this is just a reminder that this is not a substitute for therapy itself, clinical consultation, ethical guidance, or bad therapy. All right. Well, this is episode number 79 of Am I a Bad Therapist? Let's get into it. Hi, Moore. Welcome to the podcast. We want to start by saying we're so excited you're here today. We know you through Mentaya. We've connected outside of recording, but we're really excited to have you as a guest today to share a story from your clinical work. Yay. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. 
Before we get into your bad therapist story, um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I know we know you through Mentaya, but you have a whole clinical background. Tell us about your career. That's right. Well, so um, my background's quite diverse. I um, I studied psychology undergrad, but then went some other directions, international development in Haiti after the earthquake. And then I went to business school and at, at Berkeley over here across across the bay. And then and then I began working in tech at DoorDash when it was a small, tiny startup, a couple hundred people. Um, and throughout that process, I really missed the, the I really always just had this drawn desire to work with people and to connect and to learn about therapy. And so I got, um, I did an evening weekend program, got my master's in um, family therapy and, um, and began working as a clinician. At the same time, I couldn't really see how to financially make it work in the Bay Area where I live. Um, so I continued to work in tech. Um, and then I, as you mentioned, discovered Mentaya, which um, you know, I'm just so passionate about because it works with therapists and helps therapists build their private practice. So now I get to do both the tech job leading therapist experience and growth for Mentaya while also working um, as a clinician specifically with couples doing emotion focused therapy on the weekends and evenings. So um, that's a little bit about me. More. I don't think I knew that about you. That's incredible. I did not know that you got your clinical degree after your business degree. Fascinating. I love that. And I also just want to reflect on that following your passions rarely leads us wrong, rarely leads us astray, that you were able to blend your passions of tech and mental health and create a career, you know, who knows where it's going to go next. So I just I got chills because I love that about my career. And I, I hope for future therapists that they can also embrace the following their passions and drives. So, and more. So despite all of that education and experiences, you're still a bad therapist, huh? I'm a bad therapist. Tell us about your story. Yeah. So, um, I am an associate for, um, a clinic where, Basically, I accept sliding scales because I'm an associate. And so they didn't really tell me much before taking my initial calls. They just said, you know, you should go for this average, but you can really go as low as you want, as high as you want. Um, Typically, people don't go over 125 as associates. So I started to take these calls, getting all these referrals. And... As I mentioned earlier, I was really passionate about couples work. I really wanted to work with couples and I didn't have that many couples referrals. So when I got to one, I was really eager to work with them. So that's where things started to not go so well. So the the person, the woman who I spoke with, she she was like, oh, I've got a really tight budget. I didn't really know how to talk about what what I could afford and what she could afford. And so at some point I had the awful idea, which I think I took from business somewhere of, of, of offering to do a complimentary Free session. Free trial, <laughs> like, right? You want to try this and see how much you love working with me. This is going to be great. And then you're going to really want, you'll be willing to make that investment was kind of how I was thinking in my mind. Little did I, I hadn't thought about all the paperwork we'd have to do. Like, just how difficult it'd be to go from free to like some kind of rate. 
So that was the beginning. I'll pause there. <laughs> I I can relate back to this eagerness, right, Allie? Mm-hmm. Oh, 100%. Like you, And I feel like we talk about this with whether it's an ideal client or a new project where you're so excited, you're like on that big picture level. You're not on the details yet. You're not on that like practical thinking. So I feel like I relate to this in so many levels of my life. I still sometimes put patient care before my own financial or mental health well-being. And I'm how many years into it? Like I can absolutely relate to this excitement, this knowing you can help or wanting to help and then saying, I'll just do it for free. Yes, yes. I was so eager and I really thought I, I could tell the hesitation in the in the caller's voice around like, should I just do a free version of couples therapy? Because there are some nonprofit, like really low cost therapy options. But I had just done the EFT first training. And I was sure that if they just experienced EFT with me, they would really want to invest. Um, so, so yeah, from there, I then messaged my supervisor or different people to be like, hey, I think I had an intuition that this is probably not the best approach. I messaged them like, is this okay? What's our policy on like complimentary sessions? And they were like, no, you can't. That's not something that we do. Um, And so then I had to backtrack with her. I had to backtrack and I didn't know how. And so I messaged her like, you know, uh, I can't actually offer you a complimentary session, but I'm happy to offer you the first session at whatever budget you are comfortable with, you are able to afford. And, and then I got a text message that just made my heart (laughs) just tank. She wrote something along the lines of like, oh, and I'm sorry, let me just back up by saying we had the intro call was probably a half hour long intro call. We're really connecting. I'm spending way too much time starting to talk about how we would work together, everything. And so I was like, this is going great. And then all of a sudden I get this text message. that's like, I feel manipulated. This wasn't what we talked about. I'm not sure. And I'm like, Oh, Like, I don't even, we haven't even started therapy and I already have this massive rupture. You're not even a therapist yet and you're a bad therapist. That's why I'm sitting here thinking. You haven't, you haven't had your first EFT couples therapy. And I can understand the level of investment you have in getting this client. Um, So, so you get this, I feel manipulated. That might be a gut punch for me too. What, what did you do with that? content I mean I was I remember I I was feeding my baby or something at that time and I was like oh no and I just I wanted part of me wanted to say like if this was a business meeting I'd be like cut my losses this is not a partnership that's gonna work out like I would just ideally want to do the Homer Simpson like back away (laughs) slowly um, (laughs) but I knew that you can't do that ethically as as a therapist I'm like how am I gonna work through this and this is not even in therapy session. So I have to do this in my precious free time, juggling a full-time job of my small infant. And, uh, you know, so <laughs> just dread was the first thing that kind of went through me. And then I don't, I, I think I, 
I I didn't even want to seek. Okay, here's another bad therapist moment. I didn't want to seek consultation about it from my therapist because I didn't want him to realize that I had <laughs> made this ridiculous offer. So I was completely stuck, and I messaged some some peers who were in other practices <laughs> for advice, and um, I. Yeah, I ended up just saying to the client, you know, I really apologize. Like, this is my mistake. I, as I mentioned, I'm a, you know, I'm a therapist. I'm an associate therapist. So I'm a therapist in training. And I, these are new experiences for me. And I completely understand how you feel. That's some validation. We ended up doing the first consults. The client set a very low uh, you know, hourly rate. And um, now they're a client that I still see. This was over a year ago that we have a really good uh, relationship with. But at the time I was like, abort, abort, get out of here. This feels like a really great place to pause for an ad break. By the way, the number one support for those of us asking ourselves, am I a bad therapist? our clinical consultation groups. If you don't have one yet, join us on the Teletherapist Network for unlimited peer consultation groups, including a lot of different specialty groups like clinicians of color, LGBTQ+, couples counseling, EMDR. And of course, Creativity in the Clinical Room hosted by me, Allie. Plus masterclasses, media leads, and everything else you need for an ethical, modern clinical practice. Join us at teletherapistnetwork.com. Hey listeners, it's Catherine here, and I'm coming to you today because Allie's not the best at bragging on herself. And I want to remind you all that she has an incredible resource available for free at our website, cccs.care. Allie's Creative Intervention Library is full of easy interventions that even non-art therapist clinicians like me can use with clients of all ages. Every intervention has a list of materials, an entire process video where you watch Allie doing it, and a written description and steps so you can follow along at home. Plus, she even has a list of diagnoses that might find this creative intervention helpful. So if you want to access a totally free library of interventions for when you feel stuck with clients, check out Allie's website, cccs.care, and sign up for free today. And now let's circle back to the show. That's such a great moment. highlights like how you can though I feel like we do talk about this all the time like you can heal from a rupture Mm -hmm. and even though this happened before you started working together like this rupture you were able to come back from it and it's so hard too because you know we don't learn how to talk about these things at least I let me speak for myself I did not learn in graduate school how to talk about these things with money sliding scale things like that I feel like they kind of like loosely might have come up but I also didn't know how to have these conversations and it can feel tricky. And then to hear like, it sounds like great flexibility from where you were like, oh, you can set whatever rate, but that's also so open. It's like, so like, what are we talking about though? Like that might be a little too open for me sometimes. A hundred percent. Which direction did the client take it? Did they set a, a, what was the rate like moving forward? 
Oh, well, so they set they the first initial session was very low but then after that session i immediately circled back with a like okay now that you have experienced the session what can we do moving forward here's what i have in mind and i was more assertive about what i could accept i thought about it in advance and i was ready they're still my lowest paying clients by far, like everybody else's <laughs> magnitudes higher. So this mistake will stay with me, like as a reminder for a while, like, why did you go that low? But, um, but I don't regret it. I don't regret it. And I learned a lot, both through the mistake and through the couple's work that we do. And then later, this client actually did individual work with me as well. And so we took this whole systems approach. Um, but yeah, it ended up it ended up being okay. And I learned a lot, I will say. Yeah, those are some of the I mean, those are the moments we that can be so great. Um, but I feel like it does bring up this topic too of like how it can be hard to backtrack in the therapy room, but it does come up. And obviously, this came up again before you're in the room with the client. Um, has it has it come up any other ways backtracking or was this like the one that sticks out the most? I'm just curious because I've got I feel like it comes up. It's happened for me. Catherine, I don't know if you have any backtracking moments that stick out to you. So many. I'd love to hear. Well, none that are specific ones from clients that are coming to mind. But I think that this happens a lot in, in every area of our lives where when we go into situations not clear about what our personal or professional boundaries are, it's a slippery slope. And when we're like more when you're saying I was holding my I was feeding my baby when I got this text, that so resonated with me because so often my stressors from work pop up while I'm at home with my family trying to care for my kids. And so you sometimes just are so overwhelmed that you don't even pay attention to your boundaries when you have so much going on. So when you, I think the context of feeding a baby like that to me, there's a lot more going on in our lives sometimes than just showing up in a therapy room and being a therapist. So being very aware of our boundaries in these situations. um, And if we don't, then we're probably going to have to backtrack unless we can clarify them real quick in the moment. And that's pretty hard. Yeah. hundred percent. I think the overwhelm piece is definitely a poignant part. And also just the fact that like, we don't have a clear, easy nine to five, mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, your personal life ends and your mm-hmm. work begins. And I, and I think I, I'm currently experiencing, I wouldn't call it a backtrack, but I'm currently considering some backtracking in terms of how the boundaries I set up for my personal life and therapy and like how I structure things. Like I have been, I do see clients on the weekends and then sometimes it's really tricky with some of my personal plans and travels and having to reschedule. And I'm starting to think like, let me see if I can start to nudge all my clients Mm -hmm. towards like weekday evenings, for example. Um, It's less of a stark backtrack, but more of a like, can I move in this direction? Well, I feel like it almost makes that point though, excuse me, where it feels like sometimes we're not allowed to shift, right? Mm-hmm. So it feels like a backtrack. But in, I feel like in any setting, like we're allowed to change things. Like we're allowed to have something come up. We give, as long as we set the boundary, give the right notice, do all the things. Like, but then it still kind of does almost feel like a backtrack in our head, but we're just shifting. Uh-huh. Like we're just adjusting. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to feel that way. Um, and I will say too, I also, I still work Saturdays. 
in my practice and it works for me. But in my head, I'm always like, oh, yeah, one of these days I'm going to cut Saturdays. But for me, I don't like working evenings. I'm no good to the world after 5 p.m. I just my energy goes. But we're allowed to shift. We're allowed to change our hours. We're allowed to talk about these things. It's so interesting, that narrative, though. But again, it comes back where it feels like we're moving backwards, though. Or are we moving back to where we should have been in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like it's that that the sense of like more as soon as you finished, like setting that, you were like, ooh, that didn't feel right, right? Or ooh, I got to go consult on that um, or, or check in on my policies. Like something about that that doesn't sit right to me feels like maybe not the backtrack word, but you're going back to something that was there to begin with. Um, and that feels that feels good. So we need to come up yeah. with a new word, back, back, backtrack, back forward, back, I don't know. Well, this is a question I have for you both. As you say that, I think about how in in my, you know, nine to five, I do a ton of experimentation and a ton of like, oh, I have this idea. I haven't really thought through it, but I'm just going to spitball. And with clients, you can't really do that. Like your word is your you're bound to your word. And so that's something I've had to learn is less just like, do you both give yourself space for experimentation or for trying on different things? Or do we have to be such a clear container that we can't really allow for that experimentation and that adjustment? I love Mm, that question. That's a good question. Yeah. I feel like I do some pieces of that, but I feel like I'm, I try to, if it's, well, let me say, I try to make it intentional first, I would say. And if I am doing that and being intentional, being open with the client, like, Hey, I kind of have this idea, but like, I don't know, like it might feel like something different. Like, how do you feel about that? Do you feel up to it? If not, that's totally okay. So I feel like maybe I might lead in, in that way and just be transparent about like, this might not work. It might like, do you feel up to it or is it too much? That kind of thing. So I feel like, I hope at least I'm intentional with it, if anything, now. I absolutely mm. have the the playground mentality in therapy. Um, but I also pull, I would just say it depends on the client, right? Um, but therapy and also with executive coaching, it just pulls for that. And so my work, I think it depends on the client, the field, the, the clinician. It does pull for that more times than not that people come in looking for that 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 sand pit or sandbox of new ideas and trying new things on for their mental health. So I think that I like what Allie said, the transparency about it, right? And welcoming welcoming feedback. And I don't think I would ever attempt it if it wasn't with someone who I had solid rapport with. I think rapport is the most important part when you're playing around with that. Um, but I like that we can talk about you know, that it can be done. It doesn't have to be concrete and here's what to do and here's the trajectory in which we're going that we can take twists and turns in therapy, even when it comes to pricing, right? Yes. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think, um, I think I've now for better, or for worse, gone through so many of these conversations, uh, that I've done a little bit of experimentation and finally kind of figured out what works for me. But one thing I was surprised, and I wonder if you all have this experience too. One thing I was surprised seems to be the most impactful thing I can say when talking about sliding scale and budget is proactively saying like, this may not be for you. Think about your budget, talk to your family. And if it's not for you, I'm happy to 
try to help you find another therapist in my practice. Um, you just let me know like what you're, what you're thinking. And oftentimes people are just so touched by that, Mm -hmm. that, um, it, it's weird because I feel like we're straddling the, the line between like, I'm a caring therapist and I care about you. And also here's my rate and this is my job. So I'm going to need to (laughs) collect a rate Mm -hmm. and you might, and it might not feel cheap to you. So so like that I've found has allowed me to still signal empathy and care while having a very kind of um, business-like conversation, truly. Mm-hmm. The transparency yeah. piece, right? Now I'm curious more. It does sound like you have learned a lot about how to have these conversations, especially around money, because it can be really difficult. Again I, again, I can at least say for myself, I felt like I didn't know how to talk about it in the beginning of my practice. Do you have any other things you pull from that help you have these hard conversations that, again, we have a lot of student listeners, new clinicians, even seasoned clinicians, like, like the advice could go to anyone. How have you learned to have these difficult conversations about money or sliding scale spots or any of those things? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've, as you can see from my story, I, it was a lot of learning by, by trial and error and uh, and pain. But then I did also do a lot of research and consult a lot on this because I was feeling so overwhelmed by it. I think um, one thing that I was surprised by that has helped a lot is to not over explain. Mm-hmm. Like when you say your rate, I have a desire to be like, and that's because I do this mm-hmm. and I have my office and I, you know, I'm getting consulting and it covers these costs. And even though I'm an associate, no. <laughs> so it's just like, here's my rate. And then being comfortable with like pause and silence and being comfortable with the fact that um, just because a client's not ready on the spot to be like, okay, let's move forward. Doesn't mean that they're not going to move forward with you. So just like leaning into that. That's been a big, a big learning for me personally. I love that. I mean, here on Am I Bad Therapist, I don't know if we shared this. We have a phrase that we call the alley fluff because I am a very wordy person. Mm. I am not one to uh, it naturally edit myself. So I feel like that speaks to my soul advice I always need that we can cut things down. And Catherine is my most fantastic editor in my life to help me with that. But it's such great advice of you can just say it. And that's it. You don't need the fluff all the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sometimes you do. I need more fluff, but that's okay. <laughs> Allie and I balance that's each other so out. Funny. Yeah. I don't know. Why. I don't know why there's something about saying less that can be so impactful. I also, I'm an external processor and I also we'll talk through a lot. I want to jump into sharing more about the approach I'll use and why it's so great. And a lot of times um, I've found that uh, also from like coaching I've received around public communication and everything that speaking too much or speaking too quickly can signal like a lack of confidence Mm -hmm. in what I'm saying. So I I, I try to inside my head count to like a a few seconds and just wait hold it out after, especially after talking about pricing or like cost. So I also hear you really spent time figuring out your own communication style and how it looks for you, because these, these conversations might look different for every clinician out there. Right. And what, what works for you, um, slowing down, pausing, leaving space for silence. So 
more, I, I can't help but loop back to this shift, you know, and blend of clinical and business. Can you tell us a little bit more about Mentaya and maybe where people can find more info about that? Sure. Yeah. Um, so Mentaya, Mentaya is an out of network biller. Um, so basically what that means is uh, like a lot of folks don't realize that even if their therapist doesn't accept insurance, that they themselves can get a lot of money back between 50 to 80% on their therapy sessions. Um, and this is, this is really important because it allows therapists to put our oxygen masks on first and not necessarily take on the onus of insurance, but rather kind of connect clients with Mentaya or with a service like ours. Um, so, so yeah, I got really excited about joining Mentaya. Um, and as I mentioned, I lead therapist experience and growth. So I, we, I get to talk to a lot of therapists, learn about kind of their challenges for going private pay, how, what would be, how we can seamlessly like fit into their workflows. And, and also related to this question about money, how they can answer this question of, do you take insurance? What's your rates? How to navigate these conversations um, in a way that allows them to, to continue to be private pay and, and um, grow their business. Do you, now I have to ask, did you have this client before Mentaya or during Mentaya? Because this client just aligns so well. And did they take insurance or did they not? Is this too much identifying information? No, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, no, I think I, I started with this client before Mentaya and they did not, they did not have insurance that would work for out of network benefits, but, um, but yeah, I didn't, I would now handle this conversation a lot better, especially given the different tools I'm aware of now. Can we just ask you for a little script? What would you say to put you on the spot? Oh yeah. Oh yes. Okay. Well, so my scripts and this, I stole from a therapist who took in, in a focus group who told me about how she handles this out of network. Um, like, do you accept insurance question? And basically what I say is I don't actually accept insurance my rate is X, $200 an hour. Um, however, I do work with a service that can get you, you know, 50 to 80% back on your claims, um, on your therapy costs. I don't get anything from using them. I don't benefit either way if you use them. But if you like and you have your insurance card handy, I can check if you have these benefits for you. And then we have this little tool that we give therapists where they just put in the insurance information. They see... Um, whether or not their client can get money back and how much money back they can get on therapy. Very, and then it's all off your hands. And then it's all off Very your hands. Cool. Exactly. Very cool. Yeah. So that's, that's the script that I now use with folks. And that really, for folks who are, have sticker shock and are on the fence about um, starting therapy, if they have out of network benefits, it immediately goes from a let me get back to you. I'm going to think about it too. Like, okay, yeah, let's, let's schedule our first session. Um, so it's been a game changer in my own private um, practice as well. That's awesome. I know I use Mentai and my clients love it too, um, just to get that money back. And it helps me get my full rate. So it's always helpful, especially like you said, the oxygen masks, we're all, we're all so yes. strapped. Yes, a hundred percent. Right. Well, more if our listeners do want to connect with you outside of the podcast, where can they find you? Um, you can find me by just reaching out to support, <clears throat> support at mentaya.com. Um, or if you have specific questions for me, you're welcome to reach out directly. It's more at mentaya.com, M-O-R. 
Um, and, and yeah, it's been great chatting with you guys. Thanks more. Thank you. And we'll link all that in the show notes. Check it out if you want to learn more about Morm and Taya, all the things. But this was such a great message, such a great story. And really just, again, highlights that importance of having these conversations about money, all the things. But again, thank you for sharing more. Thank you for having me. And that's it. The OG Bad Therapists, Allie and Catherine, are signing off for this week. Make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. We love the Bad Therapist community so much and want to continue normalizing real therapist experience. You can help us by leaving a five-star review or sharing this episode with a friend or colleague. Are you a bad therapist and want to be on the show? Go to abadtherapist.com and tell us your story. Our podcast is produced and edited by my amazing husband, Austin Joy. He also created the music for our intro and outro. You can find this song along with many others on any music platform under the artist Air for Effect. And if you're a bad therapist starting your own podcast, contact Austin for his full suite of podcast and sound production services. You can find him on Instagram at Air for Effect. And if you've experienced an actual bad therapist, contact your state health department or head over to stopbadtherapy.com for more information. And if you've liked this episode, we've got plenty more. Yeah, over 50 therapist stories ready for you to binge if you can't wait for our newest episode next Monday.